Meanwhile... I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Presently, I'll tell you of nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Within the human character, the line between good and evil is a thin and waving one. And very often, the one small impulse for good will outweigh and nullify the bad. Such was the case with Michael Cobb. Mike wasn't bad, really. It happened while he was a kid before he knew any better. He'd gotten into trouble, gone to prison, served a stretch. Now he's out, and he's learned his lesson. He's proving that. He's going straight, working hard at his job in the office of a large department store. Detective Dexter Rowland presents Christmas Bonus, a holiday broadcast of the crime anthology program, The Whistler, originally aired Christmas Day, 1944, even the opening theme fills me with unspeakable dread. It was Christmas Eve and I had a buzz going that was three feet wide and it had tore a path from my office with Johnny Dollar to the Blue Note with Flashgun Casey. While I'm not exactly sure of the exact sequence of events that led to this circumstance, I found myself tagging along with a couple of twists that seemed to enjoy a scary story or two and the promise of more drinking was more than enough to make me want to tag along with a pair of beautiful girls, no matter how many sheets to the storm I already seemed to be. Accompanying us on this journey were a handful of dudes, including a pair of gents named Walt and Dick, and I spent most of the time sizing them up as we made our way back to Cindy's apartment, where we climbed some stairs and found ourselves in a lofty-type place with a fairly large stereo and plenty of glasses. We did the small talk routine for just long enough for it to become tedious and overwrought. I was beginning to feel as if this group was not fully able to appreciate how sozzled I found myself to be, and it seemed as if they wanted to discuss who sang what song or something equally uninspired. But before long, Carol snapped her fingers and announced that she had had enough of this crap and lit a cigarette. It's time for the whistler, she said. And everyone arranged themselves on the couches and their seats in a manner that made it clear she meant serious business. The whistler was supposed to be just some ghost story, something you told kids who were caught shoplifting so you would teach them how bad life on the streets could actually be. But suddenly, one of the men that had come with us stepped forward with a long coat and a hat that kept his face in the shadows and began with a tune that was both familiar and terrifying. I immediately knew that I was in his presence and hadn't even noticed it before. Both Walt and Dick were punching each other in the shoulders, clearly impressed with what they were seeing and hearing. The whistler sat down, 
and what came next was absolutely incredible. See, it happened like this. The Signal Oil Program. The Signal Oil Company and your neighborhood signal dealer bring you another curious story by The Whistler. Tonight, lie or consequences. Mm, delicious, delicious. <laughs> oh, nobody can cook a better breakfast than you, darling. Thank you, sir. Now, my, <coughs> don't bolt your coffee. I gotta run, I'll be late. Well, a couple of minutes won't make any difference. Well, maybe not most days, but today is gonna be a big one. The last shopping day before Christmas, you know. Stores will be jammed. We'll be swamped with work until late tonight. Besides, I don't want to spoil my record. Six months and I haven't been late to work once. I know, I know. It's fine. I'm sure the store appreciates it. Yeah, Lane, I... I think they do, too. I really think they like me down there. You know, like my work and everything. Oh, sure, Mike. How could they help liking you? No, no, I mean... Well, I'm beginning to feel like... All that stuff is all forgotten. Almost like something that never happened. It is. It is forgotten, Mike. Everything's different now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, this is going to be a lot different Christmas than the last one, isn't it? Yes, Mike. You were wonderful, Elaine. Coming to see me, sticking by me. Oh, darling, I promise you there'll never be another Christmas like that. Never. I know there won't, Mike. From now on, they're, they're all going to be really merry Christmas. Yeah, you bet. Oh, gosh, that reminds me. I haven't got your presents yet. I'll have to run out my lunch hour and find something. Now, now, Mike, you're not going to go spending a lot of money on me. Oh, maybe next year we'll be more on no, our feet. No, no, never the... you mind. I'll get you what I done, please. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How I will be late if I don't run. Hey, hey, here's your, here's your hat. Oh, thanks. Well, goodbye, darling. If I don't get home before midnight, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
Mike. Mike. For the first time in your life, almost, a real Merry Christmas. You notice the smiles on people's faces as they walk down the street. You get sort of a kick out of the fancy red and green draped windows of the store. The holly smells good in the elevator. And you chuckle as you pass the toy department with a perspiring Santa Claus pulling on his red coat. Then into the office, everybody's smiling. Yeah, you know what, Mike? Maybe you're getting that thing they call the Christmas spirit. Well, morning, George. Merry Christmas. Hi, Mike. Pretty cheerful this morning, aren't you? Oh, why not? It's almost Christmas, the day of good cheer. Well, what's the matter with you, sourpuss? Uh, nuts, Humboldt. Uh-oh, the boss on the rampage again, huh? Yeah. Well, what is it this time? You haven't heard? No, what? Yeah, somebody lifted another thousand bucks out of the receipts last night. What, again? Yeah, it makes about ten grand that's been missing in the last six months. Well, no wonder Mr. Humboldt's upset. The detectives are in there with him right now, and they've got old Gus, a night watchman, in for questioning. I suppose we'll all be on the carpet like the last time. Oh, gee, that's not so good. Ten thousand dollars. Hey, that's grand larceny. Yeah, and the cops are probably getting pretty sore about not pinning it on somebody. Now, look, here comes old Gus, fresh from the Inquisition. Yeah, yeah, uh, thank you, Mr. Homborg. Gus. Uh, hey, Gus. Yeah, Mr. Osborne? Are they playing questions and answers in there again, Gus? Ah, uh, yeah. There was you this time, there was you that time. The only time I got to sleep when they called me down here for this. <laughs> what for would I want to steal money for? I got a wife. Fine wife. Four kids. I steal money, I go to jail. They starve. What for would I steal? Sure, sure, Gus. But I know why you're so worked up about it. Yeah? You probably had to admit where you were last night between 12 and 1 o'clock. How come you know that, where I was? Go on, everybody in the store knows that, Gus. It's a standing joke. Everybody knows you eat your lunch every morning between 12 and 1. They know you go up to the 13th floor and stretch out on one of those divans in the Louis the 15th room, the classiest in the joint. Okay, so what's wrong with that? I got to eat. Why not in style? Sure, only for that hour. Anybody could come in and move out the other 12 floors and you'd never know it. All right, so what? Maybe that is when somebody stole money. I do not know. I only know I did not steal. And this is the only time I got to sleep when they have to go asking me questions. <laughs> What a character. Hey, uh, is that true about his breakfast from 12 to 1? Sure. There's a night watchman for you. <laughs> that probably explains why they're so sure the thief is somebody inside the store. Somebody who knows about Gus and what time he won't be on this floor. Yeah, it could be. Uh-oh, that's Humboldt. Yes, Mr. Humboldt. Yes. It's right away, sir. <laughs> Just as I thought. It's my turn now. Well, if I start screaming, you'll know he's putting me on the rack. Okay. I'll bring a branding iron to your rescue. Don't laugh yet. You'll probably be next. If Humboldt really decides to catch a thief, he'll catch one by hook or crook. By hook or by crook, I'm gonna get you, girl. By hook or by crook, I'm gonna make you mine. This feeling deep down inside This type of feeling can be denied You can run, child, but you can't hide You can run, child, I'll be right behind Someone should have told you when you was young 
Something happened to dampen the Christmas spirit, maybe? Something you can't describe, can't even put your finger on? Just a funny, sinking feeling? Forget it. George Osborne has been in and out of Humboldt's office, and almost the whole day has gone by and nothing's happened. And everything seems to have calmed down. In fact, it's George's turn to have the Christmas spirit. I really didn't expect it this year, but there it was in my pay envelope. Nice and crisp and green. With the best Christmas wishes of the J.C. Beavers store. Oh, gee, that's swell, George. Yeah, real honest-to-gosh Christmas bonus. I can sure use it. <laughs> Who couldn't? I don't know whether you'll get one or not, Mike. You've only been here six months. Then maybe. Uh, by the way, why don't you mosey in and pick up your pay? It's almost nine o'clock. We close in five minutes. Well, I guess I'd better wait for Mr. Humboldt to call me. Golly, I thought we'd get paid earlier. Still haven't bought Elaine's present. Ah, well, don't worry. Most of the smaller stores will still be open for a couple of hours. Yeah, sure. But I, uh, I thought I'd get her something she liked real well in a little store up on 10th Avenue. Oh, well, it'll be open till late. Say, I wonder if they found out anything about the 10 grand. Boy, they really questioned everybody around, though. They didn't question me. In fact, they've never questioned me about it. I don't quite understand that. Oh, well, I don't know. I guess you got such an honest face or something. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yes, Mr. Humboldt. Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'll send him right in. Well, maybe we spoke too soon. He wants to see you. Oh? On the other hand, maybe he just wants to hand you your Christmas bonus in person. After all, you are getting to be the fair-haired boy around here these days. I'd better go in. <laughs> you might even be in line for a promotion. You can't tell. Okay, okay. You want to see me, Mr. Humble? Yes, oh, yes, Cobb, Cobb. Uh, sit down, sit down. Uh, thank you, sir. Cobb, you've been with us uh, six months now. Yes, sir. And I must admit that in that time you've demonstrated an admirable aptitude for the work. Thanks, Mr. Humboldt. Yes, in fact, there's been some discussion of raising your salary, promoting you. I even talked to Mr. Prentice, the manager, about it myself. Well, thanks, Mr. Humboldt. Yes, and that's why I regret very much to tell you this. I must inform you that we're forced to dispense with your services as of tonight. Dispense? You... You mean I'm fired? I'm afraid that's it. Yeah, your two weeks' pay is in this envelope. Wait a minute. If I'm bed so good, 
Why am I being fired? I'm not at liberty to offer any explanations. I have my orders just the it's same It's got as... something to do with this missing money, hasn't it? I told this you This is your it... way of telling me you think I took it, isn't it? Now, call my... That's I... it, isn't it, Mr. Humboldt? You've questioned everyone else in the department. With me, you figure questions are unnecessary, don't you? Well, since you put it that way, Cobb, naturally, we must take into consideration your past. You know about my prison record. I told you about it. What I've told you about if I was going to steal again? I'm not accusing you of stealing again. I only say we can't afford to take chances. We simply find it advisable. All right. I understand. I understand a lot of things now, Mr. Humboldt. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Humboldt, for the Christmas bonus. Hey, hey, Mike. Mike, wait a minute. Well, did you get it? Did he give you a Christmas bonus? Yeah. Yeah, I got a Christmas bonus, all right. Hey, what's up? What's the matter? Oh, nothing. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. I'm leaving now. Oh, yeah, you're in a hurry. Uh, but wait, uh, I, I almost forgot. Uh, with my bonus, I can pay you that 30 bucks I owe you. Huh? Here. 10, 20, 30. That ought to help with that present for your wife, huh? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, George. Thanks. Mike. <laughs> yeah. That premonition you had this morning was right, wasn't it? That funny, sinking feeling. Now you know, don't you, Mike? You knew it all the time, really. All this past six months, you've been kidding yourself. That dream bubble has burst. Merry Christmas, Mike. The crowds are still cheerful on the streets. The windows are still bright and gay, and the holly still spices the air. But you don't see or feel or smell... No, there's only the sensation of a chill wind cutting you to the bone as you wander the dark streets, not knowing or caring where you are. Hello, Michael. Merry Christmas. Huh? Oh. Oh, hello, Reverend Ewart. I... I didn't see you. So I noticed. I was just getting home from my last-minute shopping. Won't you come in for a moment? 
cup of tea, perhaps? Why, no, I, I... Oh, come on. I haven't seen you for a long time. That is for a chat. Besides, it's chilly out. A cup of hot tea will warm you up. You look as if you could stand warming up, Michael. Come in. No, no, I've, I've got to get along. Oh, come now. That lovely wife of yours won't miss you for a few more minutes. I tell you, I've got to go. Very well, Michael. I won't keep you. Oh, I'm... I'm sorry, Reppin. I didn't mean to... You know... Well, I understand, son. You're troubled. Is there anything I can do? No. No, I'm all right. Well, I know you too well, Michael. I've known you all my life. Now, I've I've helped you before, haven't I? Why... I don't know. I don't know whether you did or not. All that stuff you told me about turning over a new leaf, forgetting the past... I believed it. Oh, yes, of course. Hal, maybe you should have told it to some other people instead of me. It just don't work, Reverend. It just don't work. All that stuff about being good and doing good. It Hal, does. it don't pay you off. It does, Michael. It does. You must believe that. Even a little good done brings a great reward. Yeah, maybe to some people. Only maybe some of us are behind an eight ball we can't get around. Michael, please come in. I feel I must talk to Not you. Not tonight, maybe... Reverend. But all the talking I can stand. Now I'm going to do my own thinking. I know what I'm going to do. You can bet your sweet life I know just what I'm going to do. I used to plan and plot And try to live correct Lately I do a lot Of things that don't make sense Now I must do what I must Yes, 
Your mind is made up now, isn't it, Mike? Humboldt made it up for you, didn't he? You hate him, don't you, Mike? And all the smug people like him who've never done a stretch in stir. They're your enemies, aren't they, Mike? Whether you wanted them to be or not. And you're just one of the cell rats. Okay, if that's the way it is, that's the way you'll play it. What's that? Footsteps following you? Maybe if you stop by this lighted window. Yeah, you were right, Mike. They're following you, all right, two of them. You saw them duck into that doorway when you stopped and turned around. Tail of me. They got dicks tail of me. Why, sure, you dope. They wouldn't let you just walk out of there. They think you took the money. They're going to tail you, hound you, track you down. Okay. Okay, if they think I took the money, I'll give them reason to. This time, I will take it. Shame. I'm a number, not a name. 
I heard that long walk, walk, some whistle blow. All I do is sit and cry when the evening train goes by. I heard that long walk, walk, some whistle blow. I'll be locked here in this cell till my body's just a shell and my hat turns whiter than snow. I'll never see that gal of mine. Lord, I'm in Georgia doing time. I heard that long walk, walk. Hi, I'm Marla. And I'm Cody. And we are the, the Capital Couple. Couple. We like to talk about things that we do in the town that we live here in Salem, Oregon. And the adventures we try to get on in a town meant for families when it's just the two of us. And we have no children. So we go to farmer's markets, the library, local restaurants and shops that sell things. Parks and weird history places that exist in our town. Come and join our adventures. The Capital Couple. I had something fun to say after that, but now I can't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us at thecapitalcouple.wordpress.com. What's this called? called? Ultra blog. blog. At at what's this called? Streaming and download links. Playlists. Playlists. Podcasting, Podcasting information. information. What's this call? Saturday, Saturday, noon, Pacific time, time on kpsu.org. What's this called? Ultra blog. What's this called? Dot net. WTBC Radio in beautiful anywhere, anywhere. There's only one thing I like, and that is whistling in the dark. Merry Christmas, Mike. (laughs) A very merry Christmas, isn't it? Six months of going straight and you've given it up. You're going back, back to the store and get your share of those day's receipts. Yes, it's all so simple, isn't it, Mike? It'll soon be 12 o'clock midnight and old Gus will be up in the Louis 15th room on the 13th floor. The safe in Humboldt's office will be a cinch. You've seen it many times. And as for the two dicks tailing you now, it'll be duck soup to shake them. Duck soup. That's right. You're heading up 10th Avenue now. You can double back and... What's wrong, Mike? Why are you stopping? Could it be that tune, the brightly lighted window, the old man standing back there? Of course, now you remember. 10th Avenue. 
This is old Mr. Samuel's little store. This is it, where you're going to buy Elaine her Christmas present. And there it is. What you heard, the music box, sitting on the counter next to the open door, playing. Good evening, Michael, and Merry Christmas. Hiya, Mr. Samuel. You came in just in time. I was just about to close up. I guess down at your big store, you've been closed for a long time. But here, where we little fellows have to stay open to get all the business we can. What can I do for you? I, uh... Is this the music box that Elaine likes so well? Ah, yes, that is the one. She was very taken with it. Ah, how her eyes sparkled when she looked at it. Yeah, there's a powder puffer, something inside, isn't it? That is right. And when you open it, it plays the little tune. So... Yes, she was saying how it was her favorite tune. Okay. How much is it? Well, it's uh, it's usually priced at 75 but I'll give it to you and the young lady for 50 $50? Well, yes. You see, it's a genuine antique, and it's the best thing I have in this store. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but that's more than I figured out. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, too. I, I would have let you have it for less if I could, but 50 is the lowest. Sure, sure. Well, okay, forget it. I'm sorry. Come back again. Now what's the matter, Mike? Why are you stopping? Could it be you can't make up your mind? Could it be you're thinking about the music box, about Elaine, about Christmas? Yes. This may be your last Christmas with her, you know. Your last chance to give her a decent present with clean money. Money you earn. It might be a nice gesture, huh? A little token of all that might have been. Oh, Mr. Sanders, I'll take it. Wrap it up with the gift and I'll take it. written across the package. It was going to be a symbol for a wonderful new life, wasn't it? 
And now it's an ironic farewell. Your last attempt at doing good, as Reverend Hewitt called it. Too bad it won't bring you that great reward, he promised. It won't have a chance, because there are those two dicks still following you. And you, you're heading for J.C. Deaver's department store, office of Henry Humble, and the interior of its safe. It's almost 12 midnight, and you have to duck those guys. 30 quick. girls, 30. The greatest little show in town, starring Tootsie Laverne and her 30 raving beauties. A new show just started. Only 40 cents. Ticket, mister? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. 40 cents. Thank you, sir. A new show just started. Hurry, 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 ladies and gentlemen. It's the greatest You're doing great, Mike. Those dicks will follow you in, but you won't be there, will you? No. You're heading for that exit sign down at the side. Through the curtains, push out through the door, and there you are. In the alley. And free. Okay. Now, up to the street. Lose yourself in the crowd. Turn down fifth toward the store. You're okay now. No need to look back. Or is there? They're there. You didn't shake them after all. They were wise to that trick, and they were waiting for you outside the theater. Yes, you should have known. Now what? Maybe you've got an idea. Yes. A good idea. Uh, honey, why not lead them to the store? Sure, that's where they expect you to go. But beat them there and hide, down in the freight dock, behind one of those big crates. They'll never find you in that mess. Then when they get tired looking, you'll be able to slip in and do the job. How's that? Brilliant. Yes, brilliant. Uh, there's been a change of plan. There's been a change of plan. I'm sick and tired of the gang banging at the door. There's been a change of plan, there's been a change of plan Oh, my generation don't know which way to go All the words, they've been written in All the words, they've been written in They've been written in 50 years ago Oh, I don't know what you're thinking But all I know is I'm not sinking in a lost society of 50 years ago There's been a change of plan There's been a change of plan I'm sick and tired of the gang banging at the door There's been a change of plan There's been a change of plan Oh, my generation don't know which way to go Don't know which way to go 
Searching the whole store. Okay, here it is. Okay, you made it. You left them way behind. Here's the freight, Doc. Okay, come on, coppers. Just try and find me in here. Confound it. Now we've left. I told you he knew we were following him. Sure, sure. But let's not waste time. We had plenty of time to get in. Probably with his employee's key. Okay, okay. Get out your skeleton and let's go in after him. Worked like a charm, didn't it, Mike? You're sitting here in your crate, comfortably waiting, while they search the entire store. They've been there long enough to do it. It's almost one. If they don't hurry, you'll have Gus to worry about. Not that that's too much of a worry. But wait, hold it. Flash your lighter on. He could have ducked into one of these crates here. Yeah, 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 but we'd never find him in that mess. He could play hide and seek with us there for days. Yeah, you're right. I guess we might as well call it a day. It's a fine way to spend Christmas Eve anyway. Come on, let's go home. Okay, I'm right beside you. <laughs> Leaving, actually going away, leaving the place to your tender mercies. 
You won't have to dodge him coming out. They aren't going to camp out in Humboldt's office. They're actually walking away, down the alley, and you're set. In a straight. Too late. Okay, Cobb. We finally cornered you. Come on out. No use hiding in there now, Cobb. Come on, come on, come on. We want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I got the idea. Okay. Okay, you got me. Yeah. Thanks for the music. Led us right to the dance floor. Yeah. That's the great reward the minister was talking about. Great. I don't get you. Oh, you wouldn't. It's a private little joke on me. Yeah? Well, that music maybe did you a big favor, Cobb. Favor? That's right. Maybe you'll see what I mean if you'll answer a few questions for us. I don't see why I should. You got nothing to be afraid of, kid, if you'll just answer a couple of questions straight. I'll answer one. I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with it. Okay, okay. You had nothing to do with it. We didn't ask you that question. We'll answer this. You bought that music box at a store on 10th Avenue a while ago, didn't you? You know I did. You saw me buy it. And you paid for it with two 20s and a 10, right? Yeah. Well, part of that money was marked. It was money that had been stolen from Deaver's department store. I tell you, it wasn't stolen. That was the dough I got in my pay envelope. All of it? Didn't somebody else give you part of it? No, I just earned the whole thing. Didn't George Osborne give you part of it? Osborne? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Oh. He paid me $30. He owed me. Okay. Now, this is very important. How'd Osborne pay you? In what denomination of bills? Well, I... Yeah. Yeah, I remember. He gave me three tens. Tens? You're sure? Sure, I'm sure. And the twenties came to you in your pay envelope, huh? Yeah. You'll swear to that in court? Of course. Okay. That does it. Thanks, Cobb. Hey, wait. You mean... That's all you wanted me for? It was enough. You just proved for us who stole that ten grand from the store. And the way you were acting, we just almost thought it was you. We hadn't have known better all the time. Got dogs, but shame on you. Got dogs, and yeah, you made me blue. Got dogs, and yeah, you made me cry. Got dogs, and when you say goodbye, what you do, baby, and you feel so, so sad. What you do, honey, threw away the love we had. I lay awake at night In the bed we used to share I toss and turn all night Why you live without a care? Got dogs, the chain on you Got dogs, the way you make me blue Got dogs, the way you make me cry Got dogs, the way you say goodbye that's not the end of the story. The Whistler will bring it to you in just a moment. Then 
honey tastes so, so sweet Chimichurudu potion Better not get off your feet Dark thoughts the train on you Dark thoughts you yeah, you made me bleed Dark thoughts you yeah, you made me cry Dark thoughts you when you say goodbye Now, back to the Whistler. Well, quite surprising, isn't it? The police didn't suspect Mike at all. You see, it was this way. Because of his record, the cops began to tail Mike in the very beginning, when the money first began to be missed. Twice they had him under observation at the very time the money was stolen, so they knew he didn't do it. But they kept watching him in the hope he would lead them to the real thief. And he did. Yes, because when things got hot, the thief finally tried to frame Mike by giving him some of the stolen money. Marked money this time. George Osborne? Oh, no. In fact, Osborne almost gummed things up by paying his debts. The detectives hadn't counted on that. That's why they had to be sure which bills Osborne gave Mike. The tens weren't marked. The twenties were. The 20s, Mike got in his pay envelope from Humboldt. Yes, Henry Humboldt, the office manager. You see, things were getting too hot for him. The trail was getting too close. He knew the money was marked, and he knew the detectives were watching Mike. So he gave him some of the marked bills in his severance pay, trying to frame him. It couldn't have worked, of course, but Humboldt didn't know that. And neither did Mike. And Mike almost did something he'd have regretted all his life. He almost went back to a life of crime. Yes, if the music box hadn't have jammed and started playing just when it did, and the detectives had gone off, Mike's life would have gone down the skids. Because it did play when it did. Well, next week he'll be back at the store, in a better job. Yes, and he got a Christmas bonus, too. They saw to that after Humboldt was arrested. And all because the music box played. Maybe that's why Mike says... <laughs> no, sir. That music box sits right there on the table where everybody can see it. <laughs> Darling, I really think it means as much to you as it does to me. Oh, I guess maybe it does, Elaine. Just like the Reverend Hewitt says, a little good brings a great reward. Yeah, the rest of my life, that little gadget's gonna mean a Merry Christmas. Darling, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mike. Stayed around 
Once the whistler had finished, he got up and walked straight out of the room, and I could tell that the evening was starting to wind down in this pad, too. The girls were getting ready to close it out for the night, and it was time that I finished my drink and found my own way home, too. Before I got too lost and confused, I decided it was time to go over the music we had heard for this evening's entertainment. 
Raymond Scott, Gary Wilson, The Headcoats, Bone Men of Barumba, Devo, Ninth Life, Hank Williams, Scratch Acid, Steve Treatment, The Ellen Cherry Charles, whom I misidentified last time, for which I drunkenly apologize, New Dawn, Tom Waits, and Voltage. As I began to put myself back together to face the cold outside, both Dick and Walt were nudging each other more and more, and I can tell they were begging to ask me something that neither of them could actually drum up the courage to do. It was only when they asked if I was Dexter Rowland that I realized this was Dick, or rather, Richard Diamond, the singing detective. And that must make him Walter Levinson, usually his police liaison. As we mumbled and slurred introductions and mutual admiration society nonsense, Richard mentioned that he and the boys were putting on a late, late, late show for those of us who could not sleep just yet, and they would be more than happy to have me tag along. I gave them the same kind of sauced and confused look that I usually gave someone who just offered to keep the good times rolling and gestured accordingly. I offered to let them lead the way, because in my state, I couldn't lead anyone in anything save for a pissing match, and before long, I was going to need to get into one, that's for sure. But, of course, that's for another time. So until then, we'll just close up for this week and offer these closing words, be seeing you. WTBC